It's so good to be here with you this morning. And um, we're in the third week of this series, The Do Nots for Living. And I know it may have not been, it, it may not be the most comforting series. It's going to be difficult and it's going to stretch us. But I believe if we adhere to Jesus' teachings of the primary and the important do nots of life as we follow and fix our eyes on Jesus, we're going to see new wine in your lives. And I look as we've been looking at Jesus' teaching in the New Testament of the Bible, what's the Bible? The Bible is inspired, it's truth of God, written by men on earth, inspired by God, but what is it? It is a documentation of an event. That's all it is. Now, don't get me wrong. It's powerful. It's sharp. We talked about that last week. It's active, but it's only sharp. It's only powerful. It's only active when it's based off of the foundation of the Christian faith, and that's the resurrection of Jesus. That, my friends, was a punctuation of the truth. And so, we need to understand... Yep, it's that. I apologize. Let me get the hand mic for you. Is it better? I'll just have this just in case. We need to understand that Jesus' teachings, these do-nots, and his other important teachings that we have talked about, we talk a lot about love one another and one anothering one another. We've talked about that time and time again. Forgive one another and you shall be forgiven. What else does Jesus talk about? Some of the do nots that didn't make it into the series. Do not sin. I'm sure you've heard sermons about that. Do not covet. Do not judge. Do not fear last week. Do not worry. Do not doubt. All these teachings of Jesus, I just want to say this, are not legalistic and burdensome. Now, those of you who have had negative experiences of church or from other proclaiming Christians have experienced something different. And this is why, and I'm, I'm just, I, I've been praying about this. I wasn't going to say it today, but I, I feel like I need to. It's not really part of the message, but we need to understand that where churches go wrong is not just by the teachings of Jesus. What we do, and why we call it legalism, is what we do is we take our personal convictions for living as Christ would have us. Okay, each of you are on a road. Your life is a highway, a road. And you're on that journey. And God gives you specific guardrails to put up in your life so that you don't go over the cliff. Those guardrails are not to constrain you and punish you and make you miserable. It's to keep you from falling off the cliff. And bringing destruction to your life and to others in the vehicle on the road of your life. However, the danger 
is when we then reflect or project those convictions that God has given us onto others. Yes, we all need to love. Yes, we all must not judge. Yes, we must forgive. Yes, we're called not to sin. But whether or not I believe in playing cards is a sin or not is not what I project on somebody else. Gambling, alcohol, what translation of the Bible, for goodness sakes, you read. What you wear, what you do to your body, different things like that. Those are personal convictions that if that is for you, if that's for you, and that keeps you from going off the cliff, praise God for that. Continue to keep your eyes on Jesus, but don't judge other people because then you just ran off the cliff. Don't project those personal convictions on somebody else. And that's why we have hundreds of thousands of denominations of church. It's because we've taken personal convictions and made it doctrine. And many of you have experienced that. But what we're looking at in this series is nothing but abundant living and full life that Jesus wants to give us. He said, Jesus said, he came to give life. And to give it to the full. He came to seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus came. He did not come with a list of burdensome rules to lay on his people. He came to set them free from the rules and the burdensome weight of life. So we have to see it that way. So these do-nots are not legalistic nor burdensome. But they're to give you hope and peace and joy and life. And if you're struggling right now with guilt and shame that you just haven't been able to apply these do-nots for living and every day comes and goes and you just feel like you failed, you failed, you failed, I want to encourage you that you're not alone. The very first disciples that knew Jesus the best, that learned from the Messiah, the Christ, missed it time and time again. They didn't. Get it time after time, experience after experience, miracle after miracle. Jesus even walking on water and raising the dead. They didn't get it. How do we know that? Well, when Jesus later was arrested, he was killed by crucifixion. What do we see the disciples do? Number one, they ran and abandoned Jesus. In fear. Can we put that slide up there? And you say in the yellow, do not fear. They missed it. (laughs) Jesus told them not to fear, and he's crucified, and they run and abandon Jesus in fear. And what else do they do? Number two, they scattered and hid, breaking this do not. Let's say it together. They missed it. And then... What else do they do? They begin to doubt. And in some other cases, they denied Jesus. They denied of even being a follower of Jesus. How could you do that? It's because they missed what? Do. You're not alone, church. Friends, you're not alone. But what you need to know is Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Everything that he said 
came to pass. In everything in the Old Testament that wasn't for the Gentiles, was for the Jewish nation, everything in the Old Testament, guess what it did? It predicted and pointed to this moment. And Jesus rose from the grave. And these disciples that ran in fear, scattered and hid in worry, and doubted and denied Jesus, what do we see? They emerge as fearless warriors of the Christian faith. Something happened. The resurrection happened. And they met the resurrected Savior. And then when Jesus ascends to heaven and he says, go to the ends of the earth, what does he say? Teach everything I have commanded you. That's why we're doing the do nots. We're teaching you. We're making disciples. And we're even going to baptize you if you're willing in next month. We'll talk about that in the benediction. So we're living out the great commission. Teaching everything that he taught for abundant living, not rules and regulation and burdensome legalistic living. Who wants that? And Jesus says, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And I will be with you to the ends of the age. And he went to heaven. And the Holy Spirit came down. And these men and women were living temples because the holy presence of God was moving in them. They were fearless. They didn't worry anymore. Yeah, they had their concerns. They had their ups and downs, but they were fearless. And so I pray, I pray that today you would experience true, genuine Christianity. What is that? Jesus, say Jesus, plus nothing equals Christianity. That's it. That's it. Well, you know, but no, that's it. Well, you know, the church wouldn't exist then if that, no, that's it. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything else will come in alignment. And so today, we're going to look at another do not, and I've said it, but just in case you're not aware of what we're going to talk about today, here's a clue. Where's my sunglasses? The kids born in the 90s are like... All right. You know what's crazy? You move to that music, but when we get worship music, you're like... But then don't worry. Be happy. Come on! Oh, boy. There's a bulletin blooper. I, lo- I love reading these bulletins. Actual bloopers in bulletins, church bulletins. Church people are messed up. Um, and uh, <laughs> and here, here's what this one said. I absolutely love it. It says, <laughs> it says, don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> How true is that? <laughs> so hopefully that's not the truth of us today. Um, but in, in the lightheartedness, because fear, do not fear, do not worry, do not doubt. Let's just be honest. A lot of you are struggling with these things. It's very heavy. And so I don't want to make light of it, but I want us to see the humor in it as well. Take a look at this advice 
from a professional counselor of what it looks like to not worry. Let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes, and, and then absolutely nothing after that. Uh, <laughs> how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can, I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full, uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow, okay. And I, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, you're there. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny... I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you, would you like to address? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And and you and you don't you don't like that. No, I don't. All right, then let me uh, let me uh, give you ten words that I I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. All right. Here are the ten words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. Stop it. Just stop it. Sadly, worry and anxiety are the, by far, the number one mental health issue in North America. About one-third of North American adults experience, one-third, experience high levels of anxiety and worry in the workplace. Forty-one, or, or excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, they experience anxiety and unwellness issues. A third of Northern Americans. Now, 41% of employees, 41% of adult employees say that they deal with high levels of anxiety. And get this, more than half of college students 
sought help and are seeking help for worry and anxiety issues. All this to say that Jesus' emphasis on do not worry couldn't be more relevant and needed for us today. And so before we go into the solution of what it looks like and how we don't worry, I want to ask you five questions. We will put this on Facebook. Uh, I might even send out an email to all of you. That's why it's important to uh, fill out connect cards so we have your recent information so we can send those out. But here's five questions I really want you to think about. Those of you who are note takers, go ahead and write these down. The first question of worry is this. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to anyone's life, including yours? And who of you, by worrying, have probably taken a year off of your own life? Or are incredibly sick and your body's worn out because of stress and anxiety and worry? And get this, who of you by worrying is driving people in your life out of their minds? <laughs> Spouses, don't nudge. <laughs> who of you by worrying are driving out, or excuse me, are, uh, are, are driving people in your life out of their minds? Who of you by worrying can upgrade and increase your wardrobe and your grocery bill? Jesus talks about that. And lastly, who of you by worrying has added value to what you value most? These five questions are crucial because, yes, we're going to look at Jesus' instructions of do not worry. But if you can't answer these questions, then you're not going to be ready for the solution and the answer. If worry hasn't accomplished anything good in your life, if it hasn't made your life better, if it hasn't added value to your life, and if worry has negative impact on your life and others in your life, and maybe your health, like I said, and maybe even undermines the length of your life, and if Jesus came to save you, to rescue you from the darkness of sin. And he, gave, he said, come to me and believe in me and receive in me and I will give you new life, an abundant life. If all of this is true, then it makes perfect sense, complete sense for Jesus to say, stop it. Don't worry. But the question is a three-letter word. How? How? And so that leads us to our scripture passage for today in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 24. Go ahead, if you have a Bible app, go ahead and open that on your phone. I would love for you to personally be in the Word yourself. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew. It's the first book of the New Testament. And so let's look at Jesus' words of what he has to say, not just stop it. But he gives you a reason and he tells you then at the end of this passage how to not worry. 
So verse 25 says this. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear, stop there. Jesus doesn't waste any time to get to the heart and the root of the matter. Worry is about the future. Worry is about what is happening later. Whether that evening, whether the next hour. But it's what's in the future. Jesus calls it tomorrow. Worry is about the future. The primary concern for the future for the first century Christian audience was what they would eat, what they would drink, and what they would wear. We can't relate in 2018 in America. We have different concerns. And the first century audience would look in and go, oh my goodness, they're concerned, they're worried? We're not worried about what we're going to eat. Can you tell? Open your fridge today. Look at your restaurant budget. We don't worry about what we're going to eat. We worry about how we eat (laughs) and what we eat, right? We don't worry about what we're going to drink like other countries do. We go to the tap water and the faucet and the water jug and we get water. We don't worry about that. Do you ever worry of where you're going to find water? But what do we worry about? We worry about money, don't we? How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to pay my kids' tuition? How am I going to pay the grocery bill? Everything is rising in cost. What are we going to do? How are we going to make this work? How are we going to fit vacation in here? Our budget is shrinking, and so is our income. Or shall I say our income is shrinking, and your budget continues to increase for some of you. And you know what's interesting about that concern of money? Jesus starts off, therefore, I tell you, whenever you see that word in the scripture, therefore, you need to figure out what it's there for. It's true. So you go back to the previous scriptures in verses like 21 to 24, I believe. Guess what it's about? Money. It's about money. It's about you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve two masters. So this is for us. Therefore, because you can't serve two masters, he says, don't worry. What else do we worry about? We worry about marriage. We worry about if we're ever going to get married. If we're ever going to find the right person. And some of you worry if you found the right person. If you married the right person. And those of you who have tragically been divorced, you're, you're wondering, do I ever remarry? Do I get remarried? And if so, is that person out there? One of our big primary worries is our kids. Come on. We worry about them making it to school on time and and safely on the bus. We worry about when they go to Kings Island, if they're going to get hurt or if they're going to do this or do that. We worry about our health of our kids that we can't control. We worry about if they're going to get a trophy or not, or if they're going to get moved to the, the, the next um, promotion of the, the sports teams. 
Sorry, I'm not a dad of kids in sports yet, so I don't know the terminology. We worry, we worry, we worry all the time. And Jesus says, don't worry because everything that you're anxious about is in the future. It's in the future. It hasn't happened yet. Have that perspective. It's funny because an exasperated husband approached his wife in the kitchen and he says, Honey, why are you always worried about everything? It never does any good. And she says, Oh, yes, it does. 90% of what I worry about never happens. Just saying. Don't worry, I won't go stand up comedy, I promise. But isn't that true? So let's look at verse 25 where Jesus says, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? What is he trying to say here? What he's saying is, is your life not more important than the things you're worrying about right now? For instance, imagine that you and I, we go up in a plane 10 to 15,000 feet. Now you're worrying, right? And you get to look down. And you get to see all your problems. But more than that, you get to see the span, the big picture of your life. The value of your life. What matters. The purpose of your life. The legacy you leave behind. What you do that really, really, really counts and matters. And you're going to say, what in the world was I worrying about? That worry, that worry, that worry, that concern that got me in the hospital. That concern, that worry that caused an ulcer, that worry that divided my family and broke my relationships, it doesn't mean anything when you place it in the picture of life. And Jesus is saying, when you worry, you're equating your life with the things you're worrying about. That's why he says, Don't worry. Yeah, but you don't, don't worry. Yet you don't know what I go through. Don't worry. Verse 26. Consider the birds of the sky. Now he's given us a bird lesson. I don't know why, right? You're like, who cares about the birds? And Jesus is saying, that's my point. (laughs) If Jesus cares for the birds of the air, and they're just nature, And they're here today and gone tomorrow? How much more will the Father take care of you? Aren't you worth more than they? That's the bird lesson. He's saying compared to all of nature and the birds of the air, you have a gift. You're able to prepare and plan for tomorrow. You're able to see tomorrow in sight. And if you're able to do that and you know that God cares for the nature And the birds who can't even think and process about tomorrow. How much more valuable are you? So verse 27 says, can any of you add one moment to his or her lifespan by worrying? When Jesus asks a question, he is encouraging us to answer. And why do you worry about clothes? 
Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor and spin or thread, spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown to the furnace, how much more will he do for you? So Jesus now gives the problem of worry. And are you ready? Because it shouldn't sit well with us. The problem of worry is that we don't trust that God can and will take care of your tomorrow. When you worry, you're placing your trust and your hope in that thing you're worrying and you're not trusting that God is God. It's kind of like you're saying God is God and so am I. But it's true, it's God is God and I am not. And so worry is a trust problem. If you're a Christian and you believe that Jesus rose from the dead and his presence lives in you, then you're saying, I believe Jesus is who he says he is. But yet we worry and then just say, we don't trust that Jesus will do what he says he will do. You follow? And then Jesus ends it with you of little faith. He's not condemning. If you look at the Greek, and I don't have time to get into that, but it's incredible. He's poking fun. It's kind of like if, if you have a kid, and they're at the, the side of the pool, and you're in the pool, and you're trying to get them to jump. Or you're at the playground, and they're on the platform, and you say, come on, come on, buddy, jump. And they're like, oh. they're worried. They're scared. What? It's not that they don't trust you. It's that they don't trust that you're going to catch them. Which then goes to say that the root issue is trust. And so what do you do? You say, come on, Joseph. Come on, buddy. Daddy's got you. I'm not going to drop you. And then he uh, uh, backs up. Then it gets time after time. Then, Joseph, would you just jump? Come on. That's what Jesus is doing here. Why are you worrying? Why are you worrying about that? The problem Excuse me, verse 31 says, so don't worry saying what we will eat future, what we will drink future, what we wear future. The problem of worry is trust, the lack of confidence in God. What is anxiety? Anxiety is simply this. You trying to control things that aren't yours to control. Anxiety. Worry. Fear. You don't trust. And God's not walking away. And God's not hammering you down. And he's not bringing you punishment. He's saying, will you trust me? That I am able to take care of you today. And I'm able to provide for you tomorrow. Will you trust me? That I who made you. And know everything there is to know about you. Will I not take care of you? And often when we get to that 10,000, 13,000 view. 
we see that, thank God he didn't answer the prayer that we wanted there because that would have been devastating. And we see the sovereignty and faithfulness of God that just because he doesn't give us what we're praying for or want doesn't mean that he's not listening and caring. He knows what's best for you. And he's asking you to trust him. Look at this slide. It says, worry is faith in the negative. That's what worry is. Worry is trust in the unpleasant. Worry is the assurance of disaster. And worry is the belief in defeat. That's not the abundant life that Jesus came to give each one of you. And he's saying, don't go another minute without experiencing my grace and peace and provision. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter and reach into tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. When I don't have anything to worry about, then I begin to worry about that. Stop it! Last two verses. Verse 32. If we believe and trust that the Lord is in control, we're also going to believe and trust that Jesus knows. K-N-O-W-S. That he knows. Because really, the issue of trust is does he know what I'm going through? Does he really know? Verse 32 says, for the Gentiles, that's you and me, eagerly seek all these things. And yet your heavenly father, say that word, knows. Sorry, it's not on there. Trick. But what if you had Yeah, you don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You don't know if God's going to answer the the prayer that you have in that specific way of how you expect him to answer. But what you can be assured of is that he knows. He knows. And you can have deep assurance and confidence Trusting that your heavenly father is in control and able to calm the winds and the waves of the storm. And here's the tough one. You also can understand and be assured that he knows, he's able, and he cares for you. If you don't believe those and walk in confidence in those, you will put your faith in worry. So here's the solution to the problem of worry. Verse 33, this closes out this teaching of Jesus. He says, but seek first. What he means is run after. Say run after. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will future. Will future, yeah. Be provided for you. Jesus offers an alternative to worry. When you're tempted to borrow from tomorrow... And try to control things that aren't yours to control. What you need to do is participate in what God is doing today. Today. Engage with God today. And so as we wrap this up, I apologize. There was one more scripture, verse 34. 
I want you to fill in the blank. I want you right now to think about the main thing that you're worrying about. Thing or list of things that you're worried about. And I want you to place it in that blank. Therefore, don't worry about finances. Don't worry about what others think about you. Don't worry about losing your job. Don't worry about your car breaking down. Don't worry about your silly cell phone bill or that it's, gonna, it's got a broken screen. Don't worry about whatever that is. Now we're going to relabel it. Jesus wants you to relabel your worry. And he says this, therefore don't worry about tomorrow. Take whatever that worry is and label it tomorrow. Listen up. Don't worry. I speak to all of you listening, live on stream, live stream, downloading it, listening, the tech team, the worship team in the back. Don't worry. Because your heavenly father, who is in control, who knows what you need and cares for you, will provide and be with you today. And tomorrow will be waiting to take care of you tomorrow. Don't worry. So I have two questions for you. Two questions. Question number one. Why not believe that the Heavenly Father is in control and knows and cares? What if you really believe that? What if you really believe that God knows what I need and He will be with me tomorrow? What would happen if you really believe that? I can tell you. You're going to enjoy life. You're going to experience God's amazing peace and joy. And so I ask you, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you have disconnected from the church and relationship with God altogether. By the way, the church is not Christianity. Relationship with Jesus is Christianity. Remember, Jesus plus nothing. Just a side note. What if you believe that what Jesus said about the Heavenly Father and about your future is true. And so let me ask you question number two. Why not believe it? Why not believe that? Could it really do any harm for you? Let me ask you, how is worrying going for you? How is worry going for you? Why not believe that? Let's just be honest. It's absurd, right? I can't believe this stuff. I'm not sure if it will work, and I'm not sure God will come through. Let me just be honest and realistic to all of us. What we're saying when we do that is we're having more faith in our worry than our faith in God. And that's what's happening to so many of your lives. And you need to reset and recalibrate by letting go of your worries and letting God do what only he can do.
Because if you're worrying, you have a scripture verse. And it's, the scripture verse is called probably 3 verses 5 through 6. And that translation is the worry work translation. Trust and worry with all your heart. And lean, lean on your own understanding. Analyze it, figure it out. Don't sleep, don't breathe, don't everything you do, lean on your understanding. In all your ways, run after anxiety and worry will make all things better. That's not what God says. God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop it. Leaning on your own understanding. But in everything, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And I can't get into it deeply, but there's a scripture verse. That applies if you're struggling with worry and anxiety. This scripture verse is for you. And I really encourage you to memorize it. And to read it daily. And it's Philippians 4 chapter, or chapter 4 verses 6 through 7. It says don't worry about anything. And to stop there. You need to read verse 5. Why do I not worry about anything? It's because verse 5 says, the Lord is near. You have to remember God is with you. And to be a Christian is to proclaim that Christ is your Lord. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Start being thankful for what you've been given, and I guarantee you worry will scatter Like ants when raid is present. Thanksgiving and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. If you're stuck in worry, believe me, I know that what you're craving for more than anything is peace. And how you get that peace is you let go of worry and you begin trusting God. Don't trust answers of your questions. Trust God that he knows that he's able that he cares for you. So as we enter in a time of worship and response, want to offer quick application to you. I was just debating whether or not to give that to you. Number one, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your minds. When worry comes in, fix your mind on Jesus. Fix your mind. Thoughts on Jesus. If you can't get anything else out, just say his name, Jesus. There's power in his name. Number two, Give it to God. Let go and let God. You pick it back up. Give it to God. Pick it back up. Give it to Stop it. Give it to God and trust him. 
Number three, thank him. Oh, there's so much to be thankful for, church. Hello, we don't have the same worries as they did in the first century. Let's thank him. Four, engage with God of what he's doing today. Start praying for other people and watch your worries dissipate. Pray for other people. And five, walk in trust. Walk in his peace. Would you stand? During this worship song, I'm going to be down right here and I'm just, I want to pray for you. If that's you, I just, I just want to pray for you. Okay, let's worship.